even if it could be right for the kind of products they sell. A type of person, you mean the type of e-commerce seller, like a marketer that's not right for? Exactly, yeah. So Yeah, me. <laughs> the non-detail-oriented marketers of the world. I should start a support group called the, uh, the Non-Detail-Oriented Marketers Anonymous. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven-figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening. Do you feel you're wasting money you could be keeping in your pocket? Well, many private label Amazon sellers don't even know where they're wasting money, let alone how to stop it. But if that's you, we can help. Our new online assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a powerful and quick diagnosis, go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your instant free analysis straight away. Hey folks, this is Michael Vesey from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. If you would like resources and links and other help, to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 381. In our initial episode about paid social media, we outlined three big goals. And in today's conversation, we're going to give you the secret and really unpack a lot of detail related to going deep into the three big goals and how you can make effective social media paid advertising work for you. Michael, are you ready to jump into this? Absolutely. We talked about three big jobs that paid social media can do for your e-commerce business. Can you quickly recap what those three jobs are? Sure. We framed it as these kind of objectives, if you will, for your paid social media work. And the first one was awareness or exposure. This whole idea of it takes somebody seeing your name or your brand seven times before they really, it hits their mind. So awareness is the first goal. And then brand growth or what you might call followership growth. And then the third one would be direct selling and actually making the sale, closing the deal on paid social media. So those are the three, three buckets. And there are a lot of techniques and tactics for each one of those. And I think having a conversation about some of the detail today would be great. Yeah. Absolutely. But just before we get into the how-to, just because you can doesn't mean you should. I'm referencing Jeff Goldblum in, in the Spielberg movie, Jurassic Park. So really high level <laughs> references there. But nevertheless, a good question. So just because we can doesn't mean we should. So who should consider using paid social media? Because after all, we've got a lot of different options that we've outlined with your other nine mantis of traffic. We always encourage people to do things first principles methodology. And the first principles for my, in my mind for traffic generating are to do the initial things that are foundational, that are free things. So sequentially, I would say people who should be doing 
paid social are people who already have effective email marketing set up. They also already have blogging set up. So they're getting organic search and they're probably already doing a paid search as well. And the gurus will push us because of trainings and teachings to go straight to on social media platforms. And we just don't teach our clients that. We teach them to start with the basics, email marketing, blogging, that kind of thing. Excellent. That makes a lot of sense. So we have a sort of fairly clear order that's emerging of how to implement the nine mountains of traffic, what sort of order. So the other question for me is then, is it a relevant channel for all kinds of products and businesses? I know that consumer, fast moving consumer goods, which is what most e-commerce consists of, whether digital or physical, in fact, generally seem to think that social media is the holy grail. Would you agree with that? Does it vary by the types of products you're selling or the other variants of the business? I think you'll hear people say, on some occasions, oh, my, my audience isn't on social media. I actually have heard that comment before. And I say to myself, Facebook has something approaching 3 billion people in their tools. I'm not sure how your audience is not on social media. I think that's a ruse in a way. I, I think almost any seller, unless you're selling to the Amish, almost any seller should be able to figure out a way in which to find their prospective audience might be not be your current audience, but your prospective audience on social media platforms at this point. Yeah. So I I think it's for everybody, all types of business. There's local work that can be done. There's information products, obviously, physical products, services. Every marketer has found some angle in social media advertising to find and connect with people. You make a very good point. I remember reading some point in 2019 that over half the planet is now online and a pretty fair percentage of those maybe 80 percent or seem to be on facebook maybe it's 70 percent. but yeah you make a very valid point if they're online chances are quite high if not facebook some kind of social media nevertheless there is the last sort of negative question if you like before plunging into how do we use it who should not use it is there a type of person for whom this isn't right even if it could be right for the kind of products they sell a type of person you mean the type of e-commerce seller like a marketer that's not right for exactly yeah so yeah me non-detail oriented marketers of the world i should start a support group Called the uh, the non detail oriented marketers anonymous, yeah. I, I think I approach paid social media in the way of a average Joe type approach. Not brainiac. Not I'm not a OCD level geek out type nerd dude who spends all day looking at metrics inside of these tools. I just that's not how I operate. And so if anyone can do it, I guess mindset wise i could if i can do it anyone can do it that's like adhd distracted doesn't have time for detail work excellent well you sound like it that sounds like the profile of a lot of very successful entrepreneurs i know actually okay interesting so another question then about paid social media what does it do that other traffic channels can't do for us because obviously you've given us a sort of embarrassment of riches as my mum would say nine channels that's uh, within which you know, nine broad mountains of traffic within which there are more channels so what is it that it does for us particularly that's an interesting phrase another interesting british phrase an embarrassment of riches or that was just your mom's phrase but we have to explore that yeah i think it may be translated from the french yeah embarrassment de richesse but anyway yeah it means too much stuff too much good stuff How do we choose things out of that? What does space social media do for us that is particularly special? I would just say in general that our approach is that we like to have a bounty of traffic streams. I was going to say revenue streams. That's true as well, but a bounty of traffic streams. And so in a way, I see paid social media ads as a lesser tool 
than the greatest tools. The greatest tools are free, to be honest. If you can get really effective organic search rankings and email marketing acquisition strategies set up, then that's infinitely less expensive than paid social media. So to me, I always have a hierarchy in my mind is like, what's the most expensive work I'm doing? And do I really need to do it? And you don't need to do it if you've got other less expensive strategies effectively operating for you to acquire new people and convert people to from warm to, to buying customers. I think that's the way to approach it is when you're starting out and when you want to scale, you're going to have an, a bit, an investment in paid social media. But if you get other tools really functioning properly that are less expensive, then lean into those and you'll take your foot off the gas pedal when it comes to paid social. Interesting. I got just two commentaries on that. One is I, an agreement with that, which is that within the Amazon world, it's pretty simple that it, this is a sort of macro level agreement. It's not really paid social, but you can pay for Amazon ads and you can get um, SEO, organic SEO within the Amazon platform. And the latter is what we always aim for. You may need to start with advertising to start with. Against that, the counter argument is one of the big fi- figures, uh, Frank Kern, one of the big internet marketers for, who's been around for a couple of decades, which is forever in internet marketing years. And he's a big fan of paid media because he's a bit suspicious of the control that you're giving to the SEO type platforms like Google and Amazon if they change their ranking strategy. And also he's suspicious of uh, g- email getting shut down, which it's interesting is now, I guess it comes down to a preference. I don't see those necessarily in opposition to each other. If email is free, but becoming less effective, it's still effective, right? Here's the way I look at it. If you've got a repertoire or a, let's call it a toolbox, you got a toolbox with, let's just say nine tools. If you're a real proficient operator, each of the nine, you get to choose the tools and you could use any one of them, but you don't necessarily always or need to use them. So yes, I think Frank, but he also sells training on how to do this stuff. But I follow him and love his stuff as well. But I just think that in general, yes, people should be using paid social, but you should use it wisely and you should realize it's not the end all be all. And for goodness sakes, you hear about businesses, I guess this is the counter narrative that I'll share for a moment. You hear about businesses that have a single product and a single traffic strategy. Let's say it's Instagram stories, Instagram story ads, and they blow up an Instagram account and they're selling really super effectively the one product. That is a non, it's a, it's an anti, it's not an anti-fragile business. It's a fragile business. It's one traffic strategy away from complete zero. And you just want, you want to have a multitude of ways in which you can approach things. And I think that's what we'll talk about today in this episode as we get into some of the details, variable options, not just one tool. There's a lot of tools that you can use and a lot of strategies and techniques I think that can work for people. So, Yeah, you make a very good point. And I guess that one of the things I really like about your nine mountain strategy is sort of strategies, but the way of looking at it, traffic as a whole, is that you realize that you have choices and you know what the options are so that even if you choose to become proficient in one, two or three, you have some backup, at least intellectually you have a concept of the backup, which I think is important because otherwise I think you can start to panic if you have one way of doing things and it doesn't work. Not only do you have to learn a new skill, but even the idea of learning a new skill is alien. Whereas I think we've broken the ice mentally here. So some more practical questions then. How much should we be spending? I know it's how long is a piece of string and it's, it's within a sort of overall budget of advertising, a sort of paid traffic. But have you got any rules of thumb around that? Sure. And we've talked about paid, you know, advertising just in general as a part of people's top line operating budget as something around 15% of total revenue. So if you made a million bucks, you'd want to spend $150,000 on advertising and marketing in total. 
And that could include your staffing, depending on how effective you are, you might want to ratchet that up or down. And then within that, a subset would be paid social. And I would just say that you'd want to have a bar- margin for paid search. I would absolutely have a margin for influencer marketing. I would have a margin of it or part of it for then paid social. You've got other expenses in there too, like your email marketing tools and your other tools that you use. So I don't know, is it 5% of your overall top line revenue? Is it 7%? Maybe somewhere in that range, just to think about it at the highest level. That's a nice rule of thumb. And people always want rules of thumb to start. And I think it's useful to, to say, I suppose what it could say is you can examine your business if it's got quite a few traffic strategies and say, okay, so we're spending 1% on paid social. You might argue that it's at least worth experimenting for six months or a year to up that by a few percent and see the results. Is that the right kind of way of looking at it, do you think? I think so. Yeah. And now, okay, another stupid question, but kind of one which we all have as an entrepreneur is how long is it going to take me to get a result? Because some types of things, famously SEO, I was working with a, a client recently who's, we're not working together as clients anymore, but we may collaborate in other ways because he's an SEO expert. And he said, he showed me some stats from a website, which I can't reveal the name of, but he said, look at this. He said the first six, two, two lessons from this in the first six months, traffic very modest. And then it really does the classic, it does not really a hockey stick, but it's like a sort of straight up line. And he said, but six months wait. And so SEO is famous for that. How do you think that sort of works compared with paid social in terms of the time to get the return? Much to paid social is you're looking at it in campaign lengths of days. If you do a 10-day campaign on paid social, you're going to know something really fast. The big secret, shall we reveal the big secret? Because it's a perfect segue. The big secret is to test, test. That is the big secret with paid social. And, it, and it's a perfect commentary. You could test five different things for five days and you'd start to really crack the code. This stuff doesn't have to take very long. And that's the beauty of it because these platforms are so massive and it's such broad reach and scope in terms of their targeting methodologies. It just comes down to a function of you setting it up and having a budget to test. And so we can give you five or six things in this conversation that you should try out. But yeah, this is a much more rapid deployment of marketing effort compared to organic SEO. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, there is another counter argument to the order in which to do things, which Perry Marshall would support, I think, which is that you start with the Google ads because that gives you solid data quickly. And then you expand towards the sort of organic stuff because you know what keywords you're targeting, what the competition's like kind of stuff. So I'm going to guess it comes down to who you are and what makes sense. Although I'm, I'm with you personally in spending less money for proven things first. But okay, so tell me about this test. And specifically, how do we test and what kinds of things should we test? Let's talk about the three big buckets that we already mentioned, right? So the first one was cold traffic or getting the awareness campaign stuff set up. So let's talk about a few techniques or tactics for that one. Here's one that I, I heard this and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so smart. And I don't know if we've talked about this before, but when you're talking about Facebook video content, so this is a video you've re- recorded previously, and you're putting it on Facebook, on your Facebook page. I heard somebody say once, always make those 60 seconds. And the reason is Facebook algorithm taps into videos that are engaged with at a 10% or greater metric. They basically will unlock visibility to your prospective audience if your video is engaged with at 10% of content or greater. The average video view on Facebook, as it happens, is six seconds. So if you make a 60 second video, you're naturally setting yourself up for success because that 60 second video will just 
naturally have a six second video view that'll unlock the Facebook algorithm to expand the the view of it, the reach of it to prospective audience. And I've always thought, oh man, that's uh, that was a smart. And as soon as I started doing that, I it works. You see your engagement rate with the video; it just unlocks more visibility. And so doing that and then putting some money behind it, just boosting that type of video is a smart little test to try out. Now, I will say just as a top level commentary, Kyle, my business partner, and I have this debate frequently where I say to clients, just boost that, just put five bucks behind it. And Kyle will always points out frequently that the Facebook boosting product, Facebook really has for what you might call the uh, the non-literate marketers <laughs> of the world and the real professionals use the Facebook ads platform and tool set, not just boosting it. But I don't. I always tell them, I don't care. I just boost stuff and I want it to work through boosting. I, the back end of Facebook advertising platform is really complicated to me. And so anyway, if you're a ninja on Facebook ads, go, of course, you could do this through the ads platform, not just by boosting, but. Yeah, it's funny you say that all that Kyle should say that because, yeah, I've also had those conversations and I think I'm halfway between you and Kyle. I can get very OCD and nerdy and that's a very classical musician from working together on the podcast. I like to have a production process that's slick and I'm a bit of a perfectionist. But on the other hand, I'm I'm a bit sort of, I have a sort of, what do you call it, horseshoes and hand grenades style in my blood as well. Yeah. I'm winning you over I generally have that (laughs) approach. I have to say that I used to do things like have $1,000 a day budgets for my Amazon ads and, and a few things like that when I was launching a product aggressively and So I guess it's if let's go back to what we're trying to achieve awareness. I think with awareness, you don't have to be so nuanced, right? If it gets things out there, boosting an organic post, even if it's not the most sophisticated way of doing it, I don't think that it's inappropriate because if it achieves the result of awareness, then broadly you achieve the result. And I guess it comes down to how expensive it is, but you can go into the weeds on this stuff and that's not what we do in this podcast. Okay. So Facebook's the obvious place. Are there any other really powerful places that are less talked about, do you think? Instagram is now the hot place. It's the hot ticket. It's not less talked about, but I will just say that it is a good way to go. I'll give you a strategy for Instagram that we use. Sorry, did I say Instagram a moment ago or did I say Pinterest? I meant Instagram. So Instagram is the place that people are always talking about and looking at. Here's our strategy for what we do on Instagram. We post six times a day and this is for the Happy Gardening Life. You can go check it out. That's the influencer account in the gardening space that I own. We post six times a day and then Rochelle, my team leader, has standing orders from me to evaluate the engagement metrics for the posts and the most engaged with posts organically, she will spend three or four dollars promoting. And and she'll do that three times a week. So three times a week she'll spend three to four dollars. So that's twelve bucks a week. And then what she'll do is watch which of those boosted posts. So then you've gone from basically a, a set of six times seven, whatever that is, to a set of three or four posts and, and that are boosted. And you look at those and then the best of those, so like the best of the promoted, she will then promote again with more money. 
So you take a two or three layered approach to it. So one, the first layer is organic. You throw the spaghetti at the wall, you see what sticks. And I will tell you that we actually, it's not spaghetti for us. We actually are monitoring hashtags and we use a hashtag called the happy gardening life and people will post to it. We'll see what works organically in terms of what they posted. And then that's what we're reposting. So our initial posts are already vetted, if you will, in terms of being strong engagers. And then we spend the money on the three or four, and then we spend money on the winning advertised posts. And our account has, you can look and see, but 270,000 followers. We grow by thousands and thousands every month. So, I mean, that, that system works really well. That's really smart. I really like that as a sort of basic tactical approach, which you can, I think you can apply to pretty much anything. It could be testing new product lines for that money. If you can afford, I've got one client at the moment who owns a factory, so they can basically afford to physically produce lots of different products to test, which is a very different extreme from the uh, the very abstract realm of ads. But it's the same idea, which is you put a load of stuff out there, double down on what works, then double down on what works out of that. And it's a super smart idea because I think it reminds you of, I can't remember who was telling me about this. Perry Marshall, I figured you'd say Perry Marshall's 80-20, but it's... It wasn't Perry- Perry Marshall, although it is very Perry Marshall, absolutely right. It's the 80-20 of the 80-20 that I hadn't thought of. But actually, somebody else was saying about with banner ads, which we've talked about as a separate traffic strategy that fairly old school now. But he said, look, one of the reasons I do really well is because I produce 50 variants for every ad. And then I double down on what works. And then I show more of that. And so one in one in 50, i.e. 2% will do really well. And and I really like your approach. It's really smart because it's not just throwing spaghetti at the wall. It's, It's calculated as far as you can. And then insofar as you don't know what it is, you let the market or the responders tell you and then double down on what the market tells you so it's really close to your market i really like that that's super smart yeah and i'll just do a little commercial here if you're interested in instagram strategies in general my book instagram power is out there it's on fire it's doing really well uh, on amazon and uh, at least in the u.s and it's available to you if you go to winning.com online, the domain winning.online. I also have a complete video course that I give to people who are by the book type thing. And, uh, and it's available to people to watch. And it's a video about each of the 19 chapters in that book. And this little tactic is just one simple idea. There are many, many tactics for Instagram that are powerful. So there's that. But there are other approaches as well. Let me just mention a few other ideas. And this will just be generally a comment here. For a lot of the awareness work, If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 381. You're basically trying to find your audience. And so I think testing broadly is important. So I would encourage you, of course, Facebook is obvious to test in, but you also would want to try to test in Pinterest, Pinterest promoted pins strategy. You also would want to try to test on YouTube and TikTok apparently is going to survive (laughs) and you would want to try to test in TikTok. So what you're basically trying to do is find your customers, your ideal customers. Where do they hang out? How can you get in front of them easily? And you just want to test your way into that on all the platforms until you find a battle plan or a little tactic that will work for you repeatedly. I think you've made an interesting point, or at least what I'm taking from that is is a reminder that it's a kind of 
demographics-led strategy. So in other words, paid social media is about finding a particular audience and the Facebook algorithm famously, but other ones as well, maybe Pinterest to a degree, is very good at figuring out a person, things like lookalike audiences and so forth. It's sort of all about people that are very, very similar to your existing customers or desirable customers, similar enough that they have similar behavior traits, i.e. they're going to buy your stuff in the end or at least be very engaged, which is really quite different from where I naturally tend to, for example, with search-led marketing, where you've got intent-based whether it's paid search or SEO, it's all about the, the search intent. And the same is true with Amazon ads or Amazon organic ranking. So it's quite a different mentality, I think, that I'm still trying to get my head around. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it is a different mentality. And, the, and my thought on that is you have to find your audience and remember how you found them. It's like, you know, follow the breadcrumbs back. But Facebook is really good for that. You, as you mentioned, you can do lookalike audiences, which is a genius tool. Basically, if you're not familiar with that, you upload data to Facebook and then you tell them, this is the person I'm looking for. Maybe it's your customer info or something like that. And then they go find additional people that look similar statistically or through, through data. And so that's real powerful. I think, the, and the thing about it is once you identify those audiences, it's really fantastic to be able to save them in Facebook and then reuse that same audience. So like with that 60 second video idea I mentioned, one of the things that you can do to spend money in support of those 60 second videos is try very different audiences and narrow it down and then find your ideal audience. That then you would just keep track of, oh, okay, I know this age range and this, all the variables, and there's tons of variables, but these variables really resonate or the people in this cohort really resonate with my stuff. And then you've got an opportunity to go back in front of that same group with lots of different stuff. Obviously, the cold traffic strategies is what we're talking right now, but I, there's also warm traffic strategies. Yeah, which we should talk about. I, I just wanted to make a couple of points. One is that there's similarities and differences with email marketing here. So obviously with email marketing, you've got a, a set of people to whom you send messages. And broadly speaking, without being over nuanced about it, you say you've got 10,000 people on your list, you'll send an e a message to 10,000 people who have something in common. The difference is that they've opted in. But I guess that by a very different means through Facebook, you end up with some similarities, which is either people that are the right kind of people. They're reasonably qualified prospects, if you like to put it in those terms. Very interesting. As somebody who has fairly old school email type hat on him. Just one thing before we get off the cold traffic questions, I wanted to talk about your Pinterest strategies because I know you've had some incredible success with Pinterest. So tell us a bit more about what you do there. Sure. I started my writing journey in 2011 with a blog called marketingonpinterest.com. It's still out there and available. It's so ugly to look at now, but I was really bad at graphics. I still am, but it's, it is what it is, but it's still available. And there's actually still a ton of tactical information that's effective there. But I wrote all the, that content before they even had promoted pins, before they had an advertising <laughs> structure or strategy on Pinterest. But the basic work of Pinterest, I think, is super critical as foundational to using it effectively. And the basic work of Pinterest is make sure that your website is structured really visually so that people who are Pinterest fanatics can effectively pin images off your website. And so you'll want to do some work on your own site to make sure that, that is true of you and your work. And then the promoted pins product in Pinterest is something to certainly test. It's easy to use. It's not rocket science at all. And it gives you very simple metrics. You spend a little bit of money and you learn what people will engage with and what they won't engage with. But you can apply the same tactics, as I mentioned, for Instagram. And that is pin a lot of stuff 
see what organically gets engaged with, and then invest in that with some budget. And that that strategy works across the board with these types of approaches. But yeah, I think there's a lot to be done in Pinterest, especially if you've got the right demographic in general. Obviously, a female-centric place. It's less used than Facebook and Instagram, which I think is an opportunity. So I think if you're trying to find a less competitive place to advertise, you might try Pinterest. I think there's a lot of value there potentially. That's very interesting. And talking of platforms that have that aren't so famous for their paid advertising. I know that LinkedIn and Reddit are a couple of slightly more, I guess, probably male, male dominated more business in one case and tech heavy in the other. But I guess if you've got the kind of product that fits those demographics, again, in terms of less competitive areas, that might be worth exploring. Is that something anybody you know is used or if you use yourself? It's the right thinking, but I think those are the two wrong destinations. I'll give you a different destination that I think is a better destination. And the thinking is go where where other marketers are not going. The problem with Reddit is people aren't looking to buy items there necessarily. Now, there are consumer type info, subreddits and stuff like that. But in general, it's not a sales or purchasing location. And what was the other one you mentioned? Sorry. LinkedIn, the, which is obviously very business-oriented. LinkedIn, yeah. So same thing. It's not really where people are buying. But here's a place people are buying. And I'll tell you, I just learned this like yesterday. Are you familiar with the OfferUp? No, I'll come across it. Do they have that in the UK? So OfferUp is, there's a lot of apps that are coming on that are buy and sell type. So LetGo was one, and then I think it got purchased by OfferUp. But OfferUp is basically like a straight little replacement to Craigslist. Lots of companies are making the replacement to Craigslist. And so OfferUp has got all these things. It's like Facebook Marketplace. But I'm looking at it and I see an ad for like a straight product ad. And I clicked on it and I noticed that it was the URL redirected through Bing. And I was like, oh, this is a part, let go is a part of the Bing advertising network. So if you want to be on let go, which is, I'm looking at the scroll right now and it's pickup trucks and boats and shocks for your car and garden equipment and baby stuff and storage house stuff. Here's a drill and uh, Harbor Freight is on here. I don't know if you can see this, sorry, but Harbor Freight, are you familiar with Harbor Freight in the UK? Not come across here, but maybe extremely famous. <laughs> Harbor Freight is a big company. They're a big uh, retailer. And they're advertising on Let Go to me. And they're advertising a greenhouse because they know I've searched for that. So to me, that's an interesting, it's a, so, it's a social selling app. And if you have a commercial product, you know, you don't want to be putting, oh, okay, could you buy my product, please? Here's my, my little ad, like, manually putting it on there. So you could use a paid strategy. Now, in this case, it's a social media, really like a social app, but you would use the Bing advertising network to be in, to be placed into it, the Bing display ad network. So anyway, so that's an example of kind of going where people aren't. But har- obviously, Harbor Freight in the US at least is a big advertiser. So the big companies know this. This is where the big companies are. This is their kind of tricks that they're doing now. Excellent. So there's a few other places other than Facebook and Pinterest, but nevertheless, we've got some pretty smart strategies across the board. All right. So that's the big old bucket, (laughs) awareness, cold traffic, if you like. Thanks very much for listening to the first of two parts about the secrets to paid social media marketing for e-commerce. So obviously today we talked about some of the big picture questions, but a lot of the practical stuff to do with getting your cold market or getting your awareness of your product or business out into the market. In the next one, obviously the next thing we're going to do is the two 
other goals or objectives that we can fulfill with paid social media marketing, which is warm traffic or retargeting followers. We're going to talk about retargeting and a little known but very important problem that can come up with comprehensive retargeting, as it's called, that Jason's going to tell a nanotech from his own business. And then the other thing is, of course, how do you actually drive direct sales and a really cool thing called a Facebook live commerce event, which Jason is now implementing with a lot of his clients, really cool, something I'm going to be persuading my clients to do as well. So that's coming up in part two. Stay tuned. Meanwhile, if you like what you're hearing, obviously the smart thing to do is subscribe on your podcast player of choice so that you get this delivered automatically to your podcast inbox, as it were, each time that we publish a new episode, which is four times a week currently. So there's plenty of content, a lot of it in bite-sized chunks. And the other thing is, of course, if what we're doing to support us to give us a rating in Apple Podcasts. Thanks very much for listening. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. We offer you free help on our websites, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to www.theecommerceleader.com. Thanks for listening. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 381. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.